0: To the simple, to the simple truth. You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: So, after the rapture, God's plan for the church is done. The church is home with Him. And so now He'll return to the Jews. The Jews will be taken off of timeout. They will be released from their suspension, and the Jews will be given one last chance to choose Christ. They'll be given one last seven year period to choose Christ, to repent and turn back to God. Because God is the God of second chances.
0: Remember when you were a kid and you could just say, do over, when you made a mistake and you could try it again? It's not that easy as an adult. Grown-ups don't often get a lot of do-overs, and our consequences are usually a bit bigger. Today on The Simple Truth, Pastor Dion tells us that God is going to give the Jews, His chosen people, a do-over, a second chance to choose Him and to be His representatives to the world. They'll have an opportunity to fulfill God's original plan for their lives in a relationship with Him. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 21 with today's edition of The Simple Truth.
1: See, false teachers peddle a plethora of false teachings like charismania, date setting, Bible codes, harbingers, works-based salvation, dominion theology, apostolic reformation. They peddle all that stuff then they defend their false teachings with something called progressive revelation. That's a big word to say that they defend it by saying that God is still adding new information, new revelation. That's not in the Bible. See, you'll ask them, where is that in the Bible? And they say, hey listen, God is still adding. It's progressive revelation. He's still adding and still doing. And they'll even say that new thing and try to quote that Scripture. They'll try to deceive you into all of those things. That it's progressive revelation. False teachers will tell you that they got their new revelation through a dream or a vision. Or maybe he might even show you some verses, but they've been taken out of context. Or they simply just state that the Lord spoke to them. I was in prayer, and the Lord impressed upon me. The Lord showed me. The Lord spoke to me this. I know it's not in the Bible, but but it's progressive revelation. The Lord spoke to him. You know what I say about that? Don't drink the Kool-Aid! That's what Jesus said. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't drink the Kool-Aid. In fact, Paul had a name for the false teachers that were sneaking into homes teaching their deceptions. Paul called them creeps. Say it out loud. He will call them what? Creeps. Now, Paul didn't call them creeps, Pastor Dion. Yes, he did. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. He said, they are the kind who... Everybody say the word. Creeps. They're creeps. They're the kind who creep into other people's homes and make friendships with gullible, sin-burdened people and teach them their new doctrines. People of that kind are forever following new teachers, but they never understand the truth. But you must keep on believing the things you have been taught. You were taught the Holy Scriptures, and it is these that make you wise. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and should be the plumb line for our life and practice. So don't open the door to any creeps. Everybody say it. say it out loud, what? No creeps! No creeps! Instead, we should open the door to the Word of God. Because the more familiar we are with the real, counterfeit doesn't stand a chance. When you know what the Bible says, it is so hard for deceivers or false teachers to take you down a road you shouldn't be on. They say, hey, listen. They say, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me. I I know it's not in the Bible, but I, I just have this impression. No creeps. Wave at them. No creeps. Not here. No creeps. All right, so. The second sign, the first sign Jesus said that we're going to see, that we know that we're getting close to the end is an increasing amount of false teachers. And then Jesus says the second sign, the second thing that we're going to see is an ever-increasing threat of war. Say that out loud. What a threat of war. That's going to be on the increase also. Threats of war. We have seen some saber-rattling this year alone. Iran, Syria, Russia, China, the rocket man in North Korea. I mean, we've seen a lot of saber-rattling, a lot of escalations, threats of war. And then there's the escalating threat from the Muslim extremist groups calling for the death of Christians and Jews. They're out there. And they have set their crosshairs on Christians and Jews. We are in the way of their global domination. Those Muslim extremist groups. They want to get rid of us. And that's a constant threat that is growing. Then Jesus said there's another sign that we're close to the end of the church age and the rapture of the church. Luke called them commotions. Said out loud. What? Commotions. Commotions are the increasing... This word, everybody say it, natural disaster. So Jesus said, first of all, there's going to be this increase of false teachers and false teachings. Then there's going to be increasing threats of war. And then He says there's going to be increasing natural disasters. Earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and floods and volcanoes and wildfires. Did you know that in the past 20 years alone, Deaths attributed to natural disasters has increased 700%. There's a whole lot of shaking going on, right? A lot is happening. So listen, the disciples say, how will we know we're in this church? How will we know? We have this to look forward. There's a a deadline, a maturity date where Jesus is going to catch away. the church. How do we know we're getting close to that? Well, he, Jesus said, there's going to be a steady increase, a continual increase of those three things. False teachers. And that's going to be the sign that it is very close. Look at your neighbor and say that we are at the door. We're at the door. So all those signs will take place. But Jesus said, when you begin to see all that, and you know what's coming, the seven years of tribulation, the apocalypse, all of that stuff, because he's about to explain what that is. And he says, hey, listen, if you hear about all that, you're going through that. Here's what he says. Don't be terrified. Jesus said it in the verse. Don't be terrified. Or what? Don't get spooked. Everybody said out loud. What? Don't. I have to throw that in just so that you'll get the picture. Don't get spooked. If you're at the door and you're seeing all that increase of. don't get spooked. There is a reason we believers shouldn't be frozen in fear. Why? Jesus promised to catch us away before things get any worse. And they will get worse. Jesus described the judgment that's coming. Let's read it. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now I want to stop right there. Those are not normal earthquakes. It says great earthquake. Those are earthquakes so severe that it shakes the earth off of its axis. The powers or the signs from heaven is talking about asteroids that pelt the earth again and again and again. So he's talking about those things. But before all those things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my namesake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated for my namesake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience possess your souls." But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled." But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days, for it will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled." So Jesus is hey listen, the Jews are on time out, I'm working on the church, the church has a maturity date, the signs that we're getting close to that maturity date, but then Jesus talks about what's going to take place after the rapture, and He kind of gives us just a highlight, a trailer. So after the rapture, God's plan for the church is done. The church is home with Him, and so now He'll return to the Jews. The Jews will be taken off of time out. They will be released from their suspension. And the Jews will be given one last chance to choose Christ. They'll be given one last seven-year period to choose Christ, to repent and turn back to God. Because God is the God of second chances. But this is their last dance. The last dance. The last chance. This is it. And Jesus describes this last dance, this last chance for the Jews. He describes it as that tribulation. That's the word He uses. Everybody say the word. What? Tribulation. Tribulation. This seven-year period is God's last-ditch effort to save the Jews and rebellious unbelievers living at that time. This is their last chance. Now He's going to give them the last wave of judgment called tribulation. God will spill out His wrath and His anger in hopes that they turn to Him. And Jesus gave us a little preview in those verses. I like to call it like a movie trailer. How many of you guys like movie trailers? I love movie trailers that are, are interesting, that captivate you. They show enough of the movie to, to pique your interest, but not too much so that you'll still want to go. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus does that. He kind of spills out there uh, kind of a movie trailer of what's going to happen during this period. John, in the book of Revelation, gives us all the details. He shows us the movie of what's going to take place in those seven years. The seven years of tribulation will include the Antichrist, cataclysmic disasters, hellish demons you know, released from the pit of hell to hurt men, the mark of the beast, that number 666. He also reveals ruthless persecution that Jesus talked about, the battle of Armageddon, where Jesus talked about the armies surrounding Jerusalem and trotting all over the Holy Land. And then He talks about Jesus' second coming. It's all there in the book of Revelation, you know, in HD if you want. It's terrifying when you read it. But as believers and followers of Jesus, just like we shouldn't get spooked with the increasing tensions that we're going through now, just like Jesus said, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about that, We also don't have to fear the horrific judgment that is coming on that side. Why? Well, because God has the rapture planned for us, right? In fact, here's a verse. Because there are some Bible teachers, a few, who will tell you that the church is going to go through the tribulation. We are going to go through God's judgment. So you better get ready. You better get your basements all filled up with prepper stuff cuz we're going to go through it but wait a minute. Here is how Paul explained it to his congregation. Jesus told us don't fear and Paul tells us why we don't have to fear. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9 read it with me. For God has not destined us for wrath or judgment but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has another plan for His followers. It's called the rapture. Say it out loud again, what? Rapture, where He's going to catch us away before judgment. Just like He did to Enoch in the days of Noah. Noah. You remember the story, Noah building the ark because there's judgment is going to come upon a people who are rebelling and in defiance against God. There are only two guys who are actually in relationship with God, walking with God. One of them is Noah who's building the ark. The other one is Enoch. And the story about Enoch is before the great flood of judgment came, Enoch was not found. He vanished without a trace. Everybody say, whoosh! Does that sound familiar? Whoosh! Genesis 5.24 tells us what happened. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God. Everybody said out loud. God what? God took him. So just like that judgment was going to come upon the people of that day, Noah was building an ark and he built the ark and Noah is a type of the Jews who go through the tribulation but Enoch is a type of the church who before the tribulation happens, before the judgment happens, gets taken out because he walked with God. Yeah. Now in the close of Jesus' message in Luke chapter 21, Jesus asks us To keep ourselves in fellowship with God, just like Enoch did. Jesus urges us to examine ourselves, to see that we're not being weighed down with compromises, lusts, or distractions. And Jesus even offers some advice. He kind of just tells us illegitimus cardibordum. That's Latin. It's Latin for don't let the scumbags grind you down. That's what it means. That's not exactly what Jesus said, but kind of. Here we go. He said, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. God has taken His hand off the Jews. He's put them on the church. They have a maturity date, a rapture. And after that, God's going to start dealing with the Jews again to give them one last chance. But for those of us that are here, that are living on this side, living still here, everything is yet to come, we're living in this this area at the door, He tells us what we should be doing. Now if you haven't given your heart and life to Christ, then judgment is coming for you. But the minute that you make a choice for Christ, for Jesus Christ, He's coming for you, and not judgment. He will come for you. Because at that moment that you make a decision for Christ, what happens internally is that you become a new creation. You become God's child. You become Jesus' brother. You become part of the family of God. Therefore, He claims you. You are His. And you are not destined to go through judgment, but to obtain salvation. You guys got it? So if you haven't given your heart and life to Christ, judgment's coming for you, but you can change that. You don't have to be afraid of it. You can change it right now because Jesus made it possible. All you have to do is just say, I choose Christ. I give my life over to Christ. That's that's the first step. And now Jesus is coming for you and not judgment. The moment you set up your hand, that is an act of faith. That's all God needs to see. Now there's a message here for the rest of us. We've been waiting for the coming of the Lord. For the rapture. But some have, over time, Christians become distracted. They get weighed down with stuff. Things that weigh you down in your relationship with Christ from the excitement, the enthusiasm, the expectation. Some of those might be relationships. Might be... Secret sins might be a variety of things that you know. Jesus said, examine. Get rid of those things. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, let us lay aside all of the weights and sins that so easily trip us up. Let us get rid of them. It's weighing you down. He said, let us lay aside all of those weights and sins that so easily trip us up so that we can run with endurance the race that has been set before us. If you realize, you know, if the rapture happened, I, I mean, I'd go, but I'm not excited about it. Because I haven't really been living the way that I should, I haven't really been as committed as I should. In my relationship with the Lord, in my involvement at church, in my involvement with the body of Christ, with my reflection out in the world, I haven't been it. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's, um, like I said, a relationship. Maybe it's just your attitude. Trashy. It's time to start shaving that stuff off, getting rid of it and throwing it aside. Maybe it's the pursuit of money. Maybe it's a pursuit of a career. Maybe it's whatever it is. He said, let us lay aside every weight that so easily trips us up. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Let's get rid of that and start focusing more on Jesus. And we are never in a better place or in a more opportune place than we are in the history of time than right now at the door. This is a time to be focused on the Lord. Excited, enthusiastic, sharing our faith and shining to the public. Not gossiping and complaining and criticizing. So if that's you, don't wait start dealing with that. Let's deal with that right now. You know what it is. Hold it in your hand right here in front of you. I'm serious. Hold it in your hand right here in front of you. Whatever that is, you name it, you know it. And Lord, I'm leaving this here today. I am letting go of this thing that's weighing me down in my relationship with You. That's keeping me from a devotional life. That's keeping me from being a fruitful Christian. That's keeping me from growing and changing. I'm letting this go right now. I'm leaving it here so that I can be free to serve You free to worship You, free to share about You so that I don't feel guilty or hypocritical. I want to run this race. We've only got a little bit more time, so Lord, I pray that that I do it. Say that prayer right now and lay it down. Let it go. Leave it here. You walk out in the newness of life. I like the way Paul told the Colossians. He said, get rid of those old clothing, that old stuff, and put on the new man which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? It's like Superman. You know, you're pulling off all that old stuff, revealing the real spiritual life on the inside. Whatever's got you weighed down to this world, to this life, cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, strip it off. Leave it here.
0: We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had. His time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and He's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with Him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well this will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Espanola area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here On the simple truth, you're the one that we can claim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May a power show in the deeds we sow. Let us try our hands and together we stand.